My name is Tony Rivera and I'm the Managing Director of Azure Minerals, an ASX listed company that's focused on developing a nickel, copper and cobalt sulphide project in Western Australia called the Andover Project. Kit Vieira here. Thanks, Matt. You well? Yeah, well, very well. Good week so far? Brilliant week, actually, yeah. So apart from the weather, obviously, <laughs> awful. But met a, real, a bunch of people that want to be interested in the company, so, yeah. Yeah, well, I think you've kind of got all the all the right metals uh, in the title, really, haven't you? Yeah. You know, copper and nickel, cobalt, not too yeah. bad. Um, but let's kick off first with Mexico. Bit of news, though. Certainly. It was about two and a half years ago that the company decided to exit Mexico and put our care projects on care and maintenance. Mm. And over the last year or so, we, uh, we've been running a sales process, and that sales process has now been fulfilled, completed, and we're in the position now of being able to announce that uh, we've been we have sold all of our Mexican assets mm -hmm. to a North American company for a headline number of about twenty million dollars. Ten million dollars of that is cash, and ten million dollars in stock in the new company. That's rather helpful. Oh, very nice. Yes. So, what, what, tell me, why didn't you want to move that forward? I mean, given us, you've just told us the value is yeah. for someone else. Yeah. Uh, Mexico, good history of mining. Yeah, it was, well, the COVID situation made things very sure. difficult trying to operate between Australia and Mexico. So that was difficult. Um, and also the fact is that the, I think the Australian market had become a bit tired of our Mexican story. Mm. Whereas Mexican projects are, their natural home for those is, is companies that are listed in Canada, basically. Mm. And, and the companies that are operating down there have a much higher value. Yeah. Uh, for their projects than Australian companies. So we figured it was about the right time to sell those projects and then and get something in Australia and focus on that. Okay, well, let's work the terms of that because if, if I'm uh, the other company, you now are a potential big overhang for me. So what sort of terms were you able to negotiate in terms of the, with the share components? Yeah, certainly. So we'll end up with about 15%. Of okay. that company, which is not too big and not too small. It's about right. We chose not to ask for board representation. We want to be an independent uh, shareholder from, from the company. Uh, when they do list on the, on the TSXV, um, we will be watching their activities with great interest because we're believers in the projects. We think right. those projects are really good. And this company or the people behind this company have a fantastic track record of taking underappreciated assets and really uh, working them up and increasing the value. So we'd anticipate that the valuation of our shareholding that company is going to go up in leaps and bounds. Right. Okay. So, so I can see why 10 million bucks is attractive and the same, same, same on the shares. Yeah. Um, their, their balance sheet and their people's ability to access capital that advances project at pace, that's going to be important to you and your shareholders. Very much so. And, and this company comes with a very strong track record and the people and the institutions or the organizations behind them in North America who are funding them mm. are some of the top level investors in that mining space in, in North America. And in, in addition to that, They've inherited or they've taken on our Mexican team. So our exploration yeah. manager, the, ex the exploration geologists, the administrators in the office down there are all transitioning straight away from Azure Minerals to the new company. Okay, so that's all good news. And we'll talk in a minute about you know, what, how you're going to allocate that 10 million bucks and what it's going to be able to yep. do for you in terms of generating some creative value. Um, let's remind people about you, background, what have you done, uh, you know, and uh, we'll take... We'll, well, we'll, I, I've yeah. been in the, in the mining and exploration business for a long time. It's, it's coming up to nearly 40 years now. Um, in background-wise, I'm an exploration geologist mm -hmm. and I love exploration. I love discoveries. And I think for Fortunately, in my career, I've been very successful. Um, and personally, I've, I've discovered several deposits, both gold and nickel deposits that have become operating mines. And I've led teams that have made other discoveries that have become mines as well. So I've had a very successful career. Um, for the last 
20 or so, 19 years, I've been with Azure Minerals. Immediately prior to that, I spent eight years with a company called Jubilee Mines. Mm -hmm. And and Jubilee, uh, myself and another geologist called Terry Grammer, um, we were very fortunate, very successful yeah. in, in finding the Cosmos nickel deposits. Yeah, yeah. And that that has become a mining operation for that's got a mine life of about 40 years. There's another 20 years of it to go. And that was the highest grade open pit nickel mine in the world. So that's a fantastic um, tick on the resume. And and I love nickel exploration. And it's just, as an exploration geologist, it's wonderful. Mm. I don't get out into the field very much anymore. I have a, a wonderful, really professional and very highly successful team of, uh, of geologists who are out there looking. Right, and, and um, in terms of like decision making, right? So you're still, you're not in the field, but Key decision maker. You got yes. the you got the job yeah. title for it. So, who else are you enably helped by or enabled by? Certainly, um, our CFO and company secretary is is a chap called Brett Dixon, right. and and Brett and I have worked together with Azure for probably about the last fifteen years. Okay. Prior to that, we played rugby together. Okay. So there's a there, it goes back quite a while, a while. Um, and then we have a a really good team of, of geologists and also an engineer who's who's running the development strategy on the on the end of the project as well. So Graham Lever, our exploration manager, mm-hmm. and James Dornan, our project development manager, are both excellent operators. Okay. So we're now focused in Australia. That's what the Aussie market's telling you that they yeah. want want from you. <laughs> we we can put Mexico to one side. You, and you've yep. been able to monetize it, which is, which is good news. So um, let's talk about the, the, the plan of attack here, right? So we've established copper, nickel, cobalt. Mm. Everyone wants to talk about those at the moment. Price is going through the roof, lovely. But your plan on the assets that you've got, mm. how do you take that forward? Certainly, if I might just take one step back sure. on this one, is that uh, to to uh, to get the Andover Nickel project, yeah, um, it was not just you don't go to the library and borrow a book. You have to know some people, and and so. When we made the decision to, to exit Mexico and focus back into Western Australia, I asked myself, where do I, where am I going to get some projects from? And well, there's one chap in Western Australia called Mark Creasy, mm-hmm. who is a uh, highly regarded, well known, and incredibly successful mining entrepreneur and discoverer of, of deposits. And uh, I, I rang him up and I said, uh, you know, I've known him for 20 years. And I said, Mark, have you got any projects you'd care to, to vend into as your minerals? And he came back and said, yes, I've got just the thing for you, Tony. I've got a nickel project. And knowing your background, I'd be very comfortable to to vend or to sell the project into Azure. Mm-hmm. So we, we closed that deal a bit almost two years ago yep. and started drilling uh, within a couple of months, and we hit the nickel and copper mineralisation in the very first hole, and it, we haven't looked back since. Okay, and, and how much do they have own of the company? So the, the Mark Creasy and his organisation own forty percent. We right. own sixty percent of the project. Right. Um, but Mark also owns sixteen percent of the company. Okay. So he's a, he's a, one of our biggest, two biggest shareholders, and he also owns forty percent of the project. And his forty okay. percent is free carried through to the decision to mine. Okay, interesting. Okay, and, and just talk about the rest of the register then. Okay, our largest shareholder, which at about seventeen percent, is a German invest, investment fund called Deutsche Balaton. Okay, uh, they are um, well known in the Australian mining and resources sector because they've invested in probably thirty or forty, thirty or forty different companies, and they are um, they've been very supportive, really supportive. They've been our biggest shareholder for over five years, mm. and they have been. Um, we've been fortunate enough that they've supported us financially when we needed some uh, fundraising. And it's, it's good to have those two major players on the, on the books, um, both Deutsche Balaton and the Creasy Group. Right. And what's the, what's the trading look like? Because obviously the, the, there's some big chunks there in, in the yeah. individual hands or within, <clears throat> within the fund. Liquidity? 
it's variable. There right. are some times, on, maybe on the back of good news, for example, yeah. and then we'll be getting millions of dollars and millions of shares changing hands in a day. Yeah. And then if there's a, a, a sort of a lack of news flow, perhaps, or a, a little bit of a dry spell, um, then it, it really does slow right down. And so then you might only have a few hundred thousand shares trading. So how, how's this going to, in your mind, what do you need to do about that? Because for some companies, that can be a problem, right? Yep. Um, and for companies of your size, sub 100 million bucks, they're usually saying, right, we need to get, dump some of these uh, retail guys who need more institutional in there. You kind of got the reverse issue mm. here. And liquidity is such a big part and component of, of driving the you know, share price appreciation. So yep. is there a plan? Do you need a plan? How do Mr. Creasy feel about this? How about the Germans? Um, well, I think that they're both of them are fairly happy with the, the number of shares or the percentage they hold in the company already. Well, uh, yeah. And, and um, and they can't really go a whole lot higher until they get to 20%. So they're, they're quite comfortable with that. In fact, our top 20, I'd have to say, which own about 51% of the company, um, are, are quite comfortable because there's almost no trading, no buying or selling by the top 20 shareholders in the company. Mm. Almost all of the, the, the share trading in our company are the, the retail investors and, and, the, and the punters. Right. Do you not feel at some point that may become an issue? And I'm saying, do you have a plan yeah. for it or, do you, or are you happy at well, part of the plan is always to go out and talk to the institutions and talk to the uh, the, the funds managers and, and high net worth individuals, etc. And that's one of the reasons I'm here in London is to talk to some of those people. And uh, yeah, it's always part of the strategy to try and bring them on board. And, and uh, sometimes it's successful and sometimes it's a bit slower. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Yeah. We'll come to the project in a second, yeah. back to the project in a second. So I've got to talk to you about specifically the sorts of conversations that you've been having here and the sorts of questions you're being asked, right? Because mm -hmm. that usually kind of, you get some clues as to what people are concerned about. Yeah. So who, what sort of companies or institutions were you meeting? What were they asking you? Probably the two biggest questions would be, firstly, um, you own 60%. How can you get to 100%? Right. And that is uh, uh, we have uh, an agreement with, with Mark Creasy that his 40%, he will sell it into Azure mm -hmm. when the time is right, when the value has been maximised, and, uh, and we'll... We will acquire his 40% and that will take us to the 100% project ownership. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one question. The other one is, is probably you've got yourselves a really good looking nickel and copper project. You've got resources. Mm -hmm. How quickly can you get it to the development and the, and the operational stage? Okay. And I go, like, <clears throat> okay, well, so that's something. And here's the timeline. You know, it might be four, maybe three to four years from now. Yeah. We could be in construction or even in production. Right. Okay. So that's, and those are the two really biggest questions. Okay. So 40% you can. Well, how does that work? When you say, oh, when, oh. when it's reached, what number, <laughs> what mechanism? Because that's a well, there chunk. has to be a valuation of sure. it. Sure. And, and Mark's, Mark Creasy has in the past has, has operated under exactly this scenario with another company, for example, called Sirius, yeah. which um, he owned 30% of the project and 30% of the company. Uh, they went out and had a massively good um, nickel and copper discovery called Nova Bollinger, which is yeah. now in production. And so Sirius bought... Mark Creasy's 30% with stock in the company. So his 30% oh, and okay. ownership in the company went to say 50%, and then IGO came and took them so out. It's a managed process. So this is this is okay. the sort of the process, this is the um the the scheme that we're we're sort of operating under at the moment. Perfect. Okay. And then okay, we'll we'll jump straight back to the project then. And <laughs> that, that that case, obviously. Right. So you, um cash at the moment, good. Yep. 
Get enough to do what? We've got enough cash to carry us right through the, the process of both doing exploration and resource definition drilling for about the next 12 months, plus also the um, a scoping study or a PA, preliminary economic assessment, which is underway okay. at the moment, which is probably going to be finished in the first quarter of next year. Okay. So we've got enough cash to, to go all the way through there. Um, however, you never say never, and if the right opportunity comes along to, to raise money at a, the, uh, uh, an appropriate price, mm. then we'll certainly look at it. It's not going to be anytime soon, is it? This market is mm. awful it for, is. for everyone. Yeah, it is. That's, that's right. And that's why having sold the, the Mexican assets and right. getting another $10 million coming into the company go. is very important. There you go. Um, do you find, uh, because of the timing of the Mexican deal, it's like a case of actually just elected to any kind of deal there, or you could have got more if the market had been like, say, it was two months ago. I mean, do you know what I mean? It's, it swings and roundabouts because it... Very much so. We, we negotiated the commercial terms of the deal in last September. Yeah. And that's when it was agreed. Oh, okay. All right. And since then, the metals prices have gone right up. So perhaps in a few months later, we might have got a higher price. However, the metals prices have come right back off now and we would have maybe got a lower price now. So yeah. you know, it swings and roundabouts. And at the moment, I'm, I'm reasonably happy with the, with the terms of the deal. And I know that this particular the group who are behind the the, the buyer, yeah. um, they are very successful and they have a good track record of, of getting the share price in their companies up really high really quickly. Yeah. And, and taking their projects through to the development and, and operational side. So uh, I see that this owning 15% of this, this Canadian company gives our shareholders uh, a long-term exposure to a really good upside yeah. that's out there. Nice optionality. So back up to us, um, Andover PA first quarter. Um, can you just give some of the numbers? Because you haven't actually told us how many metres or what what is existing in terms of resource, okay. et cetera. So. All right. So... Let's, so we, we got on the ground and started drilling in October 2020. So we've been there for maybe a bit over 18, 20 months and we've mm. been drilling. And we've had two or three diamond drill rigs drilling that entire time. No no on, on or off season or anything like that. Yeah. We've drilled the entire time. We've drilled about 160 diamond holes for maybe 75,000 metres of diamond drilling. So it's, okay. it's been a very big program. Yeah. We have drilled out one deposit, which is we've called it the Andover deposit. And, and that's, that's a really nice 4.6 million tonnes at about 1.4% nickel equivalent. Mm-hmm. And, we, and it contains around about 22,000 tonnes of, sorry, 52,000 tonnes of nickel, 22,000 tonnes of copper, and a bit over 2,000 tonnes of cobalt. So really nice first step. In sure. the process, so we've we've kicked off the um, the scoping study on the back of that. But having said that, we're currently drilling out a second deposit as well, which looks to be much higher grade. Right. Okay. And what, what are the magic numbers again? Helping the audience here yeah. understand um, a commodity perhaps they may not with with copper okay. right? So four million tons uh, is a start, as you said. Yep. You need more. We do. What are you aiming for? Probably double what we've got now. Okay. And this would be. Almost certainly a mining and processing operation. Because of the grades? The grades are good and the tons are good. And, and also that would generate a mine life of sort of eight to 10 year mine life. Yeah. Producing a commercially substantial amount of, of nickel and copper each right. year. Okay. Ten, 10 years is a, is, is a life, good life of mine for yep. certain banking terms. You'd want to hear something like that. Um, you're going to ex- well, expedite the kind of um, study phase yeah. are you how do you do i love the aussie model yeah. of like let's get into mm-hmm. revenue as quickly as possible it minimizes dilution and sh- shows a route to market that's right so what do you do so the, one of the uh, 
ways that some junior companies operate is that they'll drill some holes, get a good hit, raise some money, drill some holes, get a good hit, raise Forever. some money. Forever. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. it just, it, it just goes on and on. Yeah. So what we've decided, we're not doing that. So we have two, three diamond drill rigs drilling yeah. and we're doing exploration and resource definition drilling. So both of those, those types of drilling are ongoing and they will be for the next 18 months, two years. Simultaneously, we've got a parallel pathway running, which is the project development pathway. Mm -hmm. So we've commenced the development studies. So what we in Australia call a scoping study or North Americans might call a preliminary economic assessment mm -hmm. is underway. Um, we started that with uh, doing the initial metallurgical test work, where we've, which we released the results of that last year. And that's excellent, no red flags, can produce really good quality and good grade nickel and copper concentrates. And then we've uh, also carrying out Mining studies now uh, and uh, tech, other technical studies, uh, processing design, things like that, um, tailings, dam constructions, all of those sorts of studies are underway now or have already been completed. And then you've got the sort of the ESG side of things. And so the, uh, the community and, and local relations, you've got environment, you've got heritage, you've got infrastructure, all of those things need to be um, included into these development study programs as well. So all of those are underway. So we've got this dual, two parallel pathways running simultaneously. Expensive? Yes and no, but um, you need to spend money if you want to advance the project in a, in a, in a quick and timely fashion. Right. ESG, every, every week, everyone's talking about ESG, polarizing, quite, quite frankly. Most of the funds are concerned though. The, the funds want to see it, they need to see it. Is it just a it's tick very box exercise? You know, as you know, I'm in London for the for the one to one mining yeah. conference, and our presentation that I give the f the first two three pages is yeah. all about community relations and ESG, yeah. and because it's I know how important it is not only to us but also to the funds, but uh, for for us. Um, where we're operating, where the Andover project is located is in the Western Pilbara region of Western Australia. Mm -hmm. It's not too far away from where there was a serious issue recently yeah. with some caves were blown up. Yeah. Well, the same people that have a connection to that land have a connection to our land as well. The very same people, the same families. Yeah. So we have been very careful for the last two years to try and build positive relationships with the local Aboriginal community, and we have done that, and we are looked upon by in high regard by by those local uh, in traditional owners because it is their country that we're operating on we need to acknowledge that and to look after it as best we can but i'd also say with the the, the wider esg sort of the more the more global community relations that you need to take into account as a as an exploration company over the last 20 years we're probably implementing all of those anyway but we just haven't documented in a formal fashion, the, the way ESG is now being documented. So we're already doing those things, but now we document it, we, now we measure it, and then we report on it. Yeah, I hear, I hear that a lot from CEOs. I really do, because it used to be like one token page at the back of the PowerPoint, yep, literally in the appendix, mm. and that's mm. front, front and centre. And I, I yep. guess it, it can be frustrating in the sense that people are saying, oh, we, you, you should have done this, you should have been doing this always. We have. Yes. Yes, it's, it's, it's an interesting dilemma at the moment. Um, with, with regards to, um, obviously, the plan over the next 12 months, you, you, kind, of, you kind of laid that out. That, make, that makes sense mm -hmm. um, to me. Um, there's a lot of M&A happening out there. Right. Yes, so you're rushing forward. Is it, do, you, do you think there's opportunities to be had out there? Because we, we talked a few kind of slightly cash constrained, a little bit unsure about what markets are doing. They don't have the teams to necessarily yeah. raise the capital. Are, are there opportunities um, in Western Australia? Uh, absolutely. There's in all of these sorts of spaces, but particularly at the moment in the in the nickel and the battery metal space. Yeah, there's a lot of different size fish. 
Yeah. And we're not a small fish, but we're not a big fish. So, yeah. so there's opportunities for us to grow and to expand by looking to um, have some M&A activity with local uh, or nearby companies that are smaller than us. Mm. But simultaneously with that, we're also being looked at and there's rulers being run over us by some of the larger companies in Australia. So this is a dynamic, very fluid situation at the moment. But we recognise that the best thing we can do is to both grow our project uh, organically by increasing the resources and advancing the project to, through the development stage, but also maybe acquiring new new lands around us, which have also got potential for more nickel. And that just makes us even more attractive for the, the really big players. But I guess that's the point I want to get into mm. when I talk about M&A generally, because your, your background, geologist, right? Mm. And the team you described to me, ex ex explorers, you know, that, that's what you do. Yeah. I know you've got consultants in doing, we'll go through the study um, phases, et cetera, but you kind of got to stick to your knitting as well, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. You're not the guy to get this into production, but you can set it up for that. I can take this a fair way towards the production yeah. um, side of things, but you're right. I'm not a, a mining person, although I've worked in mines before. Um, you've got to bring in a, a, a mining engineer or a metallurgist. There's someone who's built mines and operated mines, and that person then becomes the CEO, mm -hmm. and maybe I transition off to become a technical exploration director or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, that's always on the cards. Mm -hmm. um, but in the meantime, I'm having so much fun at the moment um, making discoveries, and our geological team are making discoveries on a weekly or monthly basis out there. Right. So this is a really... A dynamic time. It's an exciting time for us. It is an exciting time, but also th this company's been around in, in various guises for a long time here. Mm. So, I, I, what I want to understand is: so, what's the model here? Will work? Is there up until a point where it's attractive to someone else? We'll mm. flip that out. As you've just done in Mexico, monetize that for our shareholders, but continue yeah. with the discovery exploration component. Would you feel that you would need to? Um, Give it all away. Give the exploration upside away as well. Oh no, you're never going to give away the exploration upside. <laughs> not as an, as an exploration geologist. Yeah, but uh, you know, any not anyone, but um, it is possible for non-mining people to build and operate a mining project. My previous company that I worked for, Jubilee Mines, mm. that the CEO and and executive chairman Kerry Hamanis was a lawyer. Mm. And he built one of the most successful nickel mining companies that Australia's With the seen. right people around him, With right? the right people. You hire the right people. And that's what we're starting to do. Okay. We are hiring the right people. But in time, those right people, the, the right person will probably step into my shoes to make sure that this project transitions from being an exploration resource definition company through to a uh, actual mining company. And then, as I said, I can go back to what I love doing, which is making discoveries. Okay. Like I said, the last two months haven't been pleasant for mining or anyone else, quite frankly, in the public markets. Um, for your shareholders, for people looking into this story might be attracted to it. Let's give them some short-term catalyst, which you hope might make a difference. If you think anything will make a difference in this market. <laughs> so what's that look like? Well, you can't give up. You have to keep trying to mm. put the good news or any news into the market. Yeah. And we do have lots of news flow coming. For, I mean, for example, we're continuing to drill. And so we're making discoveries and we're having, we're hitting good nickel in, or most of the holes that we're drilling. But we're also um, completing the, the metallurgical test work, the more advanced stage that mm. will be released. The mining study will be released, you know, with some nice images of what the, the ore body looks like mm. and, and the, uh, the underground mining access and declines and stopes and things like that. And then there's all the other aspects of the, of the scoping study. So there's, there is a lot of technical details to be come out over the next, right. next six to 12 months. Okay, and, and what it, I know you kind of copper, nickel, cobalt. Is in, in order of values, is, is that? 
Correct. Yeah, it would probably be seventy percent of the value would be in the copper. Right. Probably right. twenty in the in the. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Twenty seventy percent of the value would be in the nickel. Twenty percent in the copper. Got and it. Ten percent in the cobalt. Okay. Okay. And interesting. That I guess that helps define who could be interested in this mm. in this project. There's a few nickel projects coming through, but as a kind of byproduct of, of gold exploration, it seems true. Yes, at the moment. That, that's right. There's not that many new nickel projects out yeah. there. In, yeah. in Australia, for example, there is there are the producers, then there are the the, the junior explorers, mm. and then in between that is us. And we're in a, in a case almost of our own at the moment where we are well past the exploration stage, just yeah. as an exploration company. We're not at the production stage, but we're in that project development stage, which is a, is a, a good place to be because it makes us different from everyone else. 